A new report about global fraud trends finds consumers continue to practice risky behaviors, making them vulnerable to fraud. Here, Shirley Insko, an analyst at ITE who authored the report, highlights fraud trends affecting everything from mobile payments to consumer identities, as well as the increased migration of card fraud to the U.S. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. Shirley, this report is the second in a two-part series about financial fraud trends and the consumer behaviors that contribute to fraud. What can you tell us about the unsafe consumer practices unveiled in this series? Tracy, this study shows that some risky behaviors do lead to higher rates of fraud. For example, in many of the countries that were included in the survey, including the United States, consumers who admitted to certain risky behaviors, such as using public computers or computers without security software to shop online or to do online banking, those who wrote their PIN down and carried it with their card, or those who responded to emails or calls about their bank accounts, experienced fraud at statistically significantly higher rates than consumers who did not exhibit those behaviors. So, Shirley, are there certain consumer behaviors noted in this second part of the survey reporting that stand out relative to what was revealed in the first report? Yes, Tracy. Actually, in the first report, we noted that certain behaviors, as those I just mentioned, were prevalent among consumers in some countries. In the second report, we actually correlated the rates of fraud reported by the uh, participants in the survey and compared that to those who said that they exhibited risky behavior. And like I said, it did show a statistically significant higher rate of fraud in many countries among those who exhibited those risky behaviors. So you've touched on this a bit, Shirley, but let's elaborate here. Again, this is a global survey. So were there variations in consumer behaviors based on the different global markets that you could speak to? There definitely are differences in behavior. In some countries, consumers are far less likely, or or they're far more concerned, I'll say, to use a card to shop online or to travel internationally and use a card. In some countries, uh, it's very prevalent for the behavior for people to only use cash or traveler's checks when they're traveling internationally. For example, 28% of those in the United Arab Emirates, 21% in China, 19% in the U.K. say they don't use cards when they travel internationally, compared to only 8% in the United States. Shirley, much of this survey focuses on payments fraud trends. What varying payments methods are noted in the report? Primarily, the report focuses on card behavior as well as adoption of mobile wallets and tablets and uh, online banking and consumers' concerns about things along those lines, shopping online, traveling internationally, but a lot of it is card and uh, mobile. Now, from the mobile perspective, mobile wallets are still emerging technology, but are consumers actually reporting fraud via mobile wallet transactions, or did the survey results merely reflect that they have concerns about fraud? Actually, Tracy, we're not seeing a lot of fraud in the mobile wallet space yet. What we saw that was so interesting is that in countries that don't have as highly developed financial systems as the United States, mobile wallet adoption has really grown tremendously. For example, in China, 47% of those who were surveyed have a mobile wallet. In India, it's 34%. In the UAE, it's 26%. Here in the U.S., only 7% of respondents said they have a mobile wallet. So as we see mobile wallet behavior and adoption increase, 
that's when I believe we'll start to see the fraud begin to really pick up. And then what about other forms of fraud, such as fraud that impacts e-commerce transactions and card fraud generally? What stood out there? One thing that stood out dramatically is the very high rate of consumers who report that they worry a lot more about fraud when they shop online. And there is a segment of the population that just will not shop online still due to their concern about fraud. So obviously, if card issuers can figure out how to make consumers more comfortable using their cards online, using their cards when they travel internationally, et cetera, then their revenues could very well go up significantly. Shirley, what about point-of-sale and retail fraud concerns? Do consumers have worries, and do their behaviors oftentimes contribute to the fraud? Consumers indicate they worry far more when they're shopping online with a card than when they're at point-of-sale. And, you know, that's really interesting in light of all the data breaches that we've seen, but consumers really worry when they're using that card and entering it online. Shirley, that's interesting that you note consumers aren't concerned about point-of-sale fraud because, to your point, we have seen a number of retail breaches and breaches of payments processors that actually have exposed some of those cards that were affiliated with transactions at the point of sale. Does this in some way reflect that consumers just really don't have a grip on where fraud is occurring or how vulnerable they are when it comes to certain types of transactions? Well, Tracy, we're saying that people globally are more and more concerned about fraud. It's in the news. They're hearing more about it. And they are very concerned. Identity theft is their number one concern about payment fraud. But what this report really showed is that consumers are confused. They don't understand payment systems. They don't understand fraud. And they don't understand how to protect themselves against fraud. Financial institutions are either not educating consumers or they're not doing so in an effective manner that's understood and the information is then retained by consumers. So they end up being very confused and very concerned. Anecdotally, I was in a doctor's office last month, and when I went to check out, there was an older gentleman in line ahead of me, and I heard him say to the accountant, do I have to give you a debit card or do you want a credit card or how can I pay for this? He literally was asking her how he could pay, what he should give her. And I think that his confusion is widespread. People don't understand when they can use a pen, when they can't use a pen. And with EMB coming to the United States very shortly, I believe that it's just going to cause the confusion to multiply. And one thing that we know historically is that when people are confused, that's when fraudsters strike. They take advantage of that vulnerability and that confusion to create more fraud. So that's something that I think financial institutions need to really think about. Shirley, do consumers really understand what EMV is? I don't think that consumers even understand the difference between debit and credit cards. As an example of that, we saw a high rate of people here in the U.S. who indicate that they use a PIN when they use their credit card at point of sale. Well, Here in the United States, the payment network won't even accept a PIN with a credit card at point of sale, and yet over a third of people thought that they were doing that. People are very, very confused. And is that confusion that was expressed globally or just in markets where EMP doesn't really exist? That confusion was expressed somewhat globally, and I believe that part of that confusion has probably resulted with the EMB rollout, where people have debit cards, credit cards, different countries have implemented EMB in different ways. And so when people are using these different cards, they may be traveling internationally. The rules change from country to country as to what's required at point of sale. 
And, and I believe it's just created a lot of consumer confusion globally. And then what about here in the United States where EMV is not the standard card technology? Do you think that consumers in the U.S. really have an interest in EMV or some other more secure card payment technology? I suspect that many people here in the U.S. don't even know what EMV is. I know personally I have credit cards with more than one financial institution. I've heard nothing about EMV. I've had no educational information provided to me. Only because of my work in the industry am I familiar and knowledgeable about EMV. So I think if you ask the, the general customer of a financial institution or a card issuer, I don't think they really know much about it at all at this point. Now, Shirley, I'm going to go back a moment to something that you mentioned earlier, and that's identity theft. And, of course, when we look at card fraud, there are concerns about identity theft because ID theft is often associated with financial fraud. Are there any points noted in the report worth mentioning here as far as concerns that consumers have expressed about ID theft? Yes, Tracy. As I mentioned, uh, consumers' number one financial fraud concern is identity theft, and that's true globally. That is what they worry about the most. And often, as a result of experiencing fraud, we see that consumers are far more likely to change card providers. For example, in the United States, 12% of consumers who experienced fraud changed their financial provider compared to 27% in Mexico and in the UAE. At even higher rates, we see 44% in China and Indonesia, 41% in India, and 37% of consumers who experience fraud in Singapore change card issuers. Those are extremely high attrition rates that are very costly for the card issuers. And then, Shirley, before we close, are there any final thoughts you'd like to share? Yes, Tracy. As I mentioned earlier, I think that consumers are just extremely confused. And I know that some financial institutions are trying to do a good job of educating their consumers But they need to understand that what they're doing just isn't working well. And so they need to figure out how to not only communicate with consumers, but to do so in a way that they understand the communication and they can retain that information. It is such a shame to see financial institutions lose customers because of confusion. And so that would be a message I hope that the financial institutions hear from this report, is that consumers are confused. They don't understand when to use a pen, the difference between various kinds of cards. They don't understand how to protect themselves against fraud. They want to partner with their financial institution to protect themselves, but they don't really know how. There was a significant percentage of people who said that they don't notify their card issuer before traveling internationally and I didn't know it would make a difference. That shows, again, a total lack of education because that could be a strong alliance if consumers understood that letting their financial institution know they're about to travel internationally would be helpful. That's just one example, but there were lots of examples in the report of how consumers really do need better education. Shirley, I'd like to thank you again for your time today. Thank you, Tracy. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Again, we've just heard from Shirley Ensko of ITE. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.